Welcome, listeners. You're tuning in to AM 451. It's a Wednesday where I am, perhaps where you are too. I am the host, and I am here for you this evening. As many of you know, listeners, I enjoy sharing your letters and emails from time to time. If callers are the beating heart of this program, listener submissions are the lungs, oxygenating our lifeblood so that we might persist in our nightly journeys. Typically, I share the hopeful missives which buoy us against the oceans of doubt. Tonight, however, I have a message I feel is important to share, regardless of how it makes me, how it makes us feel. This letter is from Ron Kearney of Pendleton, Oregon. It's written in cursive. How about that? Ron says, Dear host, sometimes when I listen to you, I feel like I am getting stupider. Big words and long sentences don't mask dumbness, and you are dumb. I hope Dana poisons your oolong tea, not to kill you or anything, but just to get you real sick so you can't host for a few days. Yours truly, Ron. Ron, if you're listening, I truly apologize that I have made you feel stupider. Naturally, I cannot control your reactions, listeners, but know that I aim to improve with each passing night. Somehow, I'm not surprised Dana chose that particular letter. Dana, uh, who do we have to start us off for the night? Another Dana! And a man! What a remarkable coincidence! Studio Dana, how do you feel about having a male namesake out there somewhere? Studio Dana has rolled her eyes at this news. I'm not sure she enjoys sharing much of anything. And yes, Studio Dana, I would like the other half of that lemon poppy seed muffin. Please don't eat it. Uh, on second thought, you can have the muffin. Trying to stay awake coupled with my love for baked goods can get me in trouble in the calorie department. Uh, yes, uh, yes, I'll get to the call. Hello, caller Dana, you're on the air. Uh, well, uh, I gotta hand it to you, host. Off of the bang, aren't we, caller? Whereabouts are you calling from? Just west of North Platte, about 300 miles from Omaha. I was planning to go all the way to 353, the York eastbound exit. They got good showers at the plaza there. Got an Applebee's, too. Are you a truck driver, Dana? Yes, ma'am. Ah, then we'll call you Trucker Dana. So, Trucker Dana, what beguiles you tonight? Well, uh, I listen to a lot of programs in my 45 years on the road. 45 years? That is a remarkable amount of windshield time. Sure is. I like most of the programs, too, but there ain't none like yours, like I said. I gotta hand it to you. Why, thank you. It's always nice to know you're appreciated by Not the... Not like that, host. For ages now, I thought your show was the most harebrained, pie-in-the-sky, meat-headed thing I ever heard. Well, I must admit your assessment of this program is judicious, if a tad belligerent. I certainly realize there are many ways I can improve my craft, but... Why continue listening at all if you have such strong feelings about the show's shortcomings? You keep me up. If I gotta drive through Nebraska in the middle of the darn night, then I need something to keep my brain firing in you. Well, you're a crackpot. That is what my former roommate Suzette called me during my brief stint in Topeka. Right. So, I've been listening to you all these years, because it, it fuels me, and all the talk of zombies and curses and aliens and whatnot. That chupacabra one got me real good. That poor woman had to give up her darn dog because of you. But most of the time, I just love to talk right back at you while you tell a caller what's what. It's like I got you on the CB. Glad to have been of service, even if it's only due to some internal Saturnalia of provincial epistemology. Yeah, um... Forgive my verbosity, I do want to get to the heart of this call. I suspect you are not with us merely to gloat about the inerrancies of your worldview. I sure ain't. As 
Especially now that... now that they stopped twitching. Twitching? Who's twitching, Caller? Are you alright? Of course I'm alright. This truck's a darn juggernaut. Dana, have you hit something with your truck? I'd say so. Before tonight, I would have laughed and yelled at the radio on account of how crazy you are, but now, I'm not so sure. What I got is a couple of beings that don't rightly belong around here. Dana, are you talking about people? Have you contacted the authorities? Have any other passers-by stopped to help? No one will bother to stop out here. Not this time of night. It's just me and these two, uh, things down here on the pavement. Dana, you must be in shock. This is an awful thing to happen to anyone, but the Nebraska State Patrol are a cadre of seasoned public servants. Please hang up and call them. I'm sure this was an accident and they can help you sort it out. It was no accident, host. (gasps) Now that it's happened, I'm not sure how I feel about it. But I was hearing your voice over them airwaves and it had me in some weird mood and then I saw them things in the road. All black. Stringy buggers. No darn eyes. I don't know what came over me, but I sped up. I guess... I guess I was thinking that if I took care of them, you know what I mean, that maybe that would be that. How could you? I'm sure the beings you're describing are dusklings. Are you telling me you've snuffed the life out of these beautiful people? These ain't no people, host. They're hell creatures. Inaccurate. Dusklings are a peaceful, private people who, much like hobbits, have lived for millennia out of the way of the likes of you and me. The two that lay at your cruel feet are likely from a nearby forest that is being leveled for further travel plazas or Applebee's franchises. Now, caller, I have a number for you to call on this matter, and I must insist that you- what the heck? There's something else, host. It's right beneath the engine block. Is it something alive? Is it injured? Come here, you bugger. Host, how do I catch these things? Don't scare it. Dana, you must relax. Calm yourself. Now tell us what you see. Well, you're out of your darn mind, host. It's the middle of Nebraska in the winter and... Hang on, it's coming out a bit. Yep. No eyes. Hell creature. Smaller one, but still. Dana, I implore you to stop and consider this situation. Is it possible that the two at your feet are the parents of this young one? It's possible. I I should finish the job, shouldn't I? Not doing no favors to anyone leaving this thing alive. Who knows what it could do? Come here, you. I ain't gonna hurt you. Do not move a muscle. You know that I prefer listening to my callers, but this time I need you to listen to me. You have taken life twice this night. You will not take a third. You will remain seated on the road. You will answer my questions. What is the Dusking Child doing now? Well, uh, it's hiding behind a wheel right now. Of course she is. She's terrified. She has just experienced the most traumatic event of her life. Look around you, caller. Is there anyone else nearby? Wait just a minute, host. How do you know it's a she? Be sensible. Now is not the time for a gender squabble. Now is there anyone else nearby? No. Exactly. It's just you and her. And tell me this, Dana. How are you feeling right now? Cold, I guess. I can see my breath like I'm smoking a cigarette. Now, take stock of your thoughts, your emotions. Take a deep, cold breath. Share with us what you're feeling. Uh, kind of shaky. Think about it, caller. What could be causing those nerves? What could you fear right now? Can't be that alien, kid. Why the heck would I be afraid of that thing? It's a pipsqueak. I see compound possibilities. 
Can you still see the Duskling Child? I see her. Good. It is now time to overcome this fear. I permit you to move a muscle. Hold out your hand. My hand? Why? Because it is what she needs right now. Are you doing it? Yeah. It's, it's like I'm uh, driving on a rumble strip here. I can't stop the shaking, host. It's okay, caller. Can you imagine how she feels? What do you mean? Look at her. What do you notice? I don't know. <sighs> the eyes thing's really getting to me. See her. I can see her breath cloud. Yes. Great observation, Dana. What else? She's sort of holding one of her arms out, I think. She's kind of walking towards me now. She's shaking. Shaking all over. She's real close now. What if she bites me, host? Some might say you would deserve it, Dana. But I think we both know that will not be the case. This young one is holding up a mirror, isn't she? She's touching me now. She touched my hand. She's shaking more than I am. Host, what do I do? What would you need? She's... She's so cold. I gotta go, host. I need both my hands. Uh, I, I gotta get her in the truck. She's freezing out here. It's just, uh, I'm just not sure what to... This is all just, just so... Oh dear. Uh, I need a moment, listeners. Mercury is clearly in retrograde, and I am finding it difficult to gather myself. Let's take a break. Almost Family Kitchen in Riverside, South Dakota now has bloops. Bloops are new, and that's tough. Change is always hard, but bloops are supposed to be fun, too. Come try new bloops from assistant trainee chef, executive nephew, Tristan Hohensi, whom we trust, even though he's 11. Bloops at Oma's Family Kitchen. I'd like to take a moment to say thank you to Candice for sending in the delicious-looking Hadwakian rum cake. Dana has moved on from the lemon poppy seed muffin and is enjoying every bite of it. The Hidwakians are known for their extra-rich cuisine. I'm sorry, listeners. I was just watching Dana eat cake, but tonight I am content with just my tea. Next up, we have Angie in Spokane Valley, Washington. Angie's in the middle of some kind of work incident. Good evening, Angie. Hi, host. You're on the air. Tell me, what's going on with you? Well, I'm a night custodian at the YMCA. We've been closed for a few hours, but I found a bunch of naked women in the locker room. Oh. Uh, did you ask them to leave? Uh, no. Why not? (laughs) As you said, it's after hours that is your prerogative. Okay, well, it's, it's weird. They, um... They aren't moving. How so? Um, do you think they're dead? I don't know. They don't look dead. They're just perfectly still. It's like they were all getting ready after working out and and time stopped or something. I see. Are you in the locker room now? No, I left. It was just creepy. Why? Because it's weird. They're not supposed to be there and not supposed to be... Like that. 
Plus, they're naked and old. It's kind of gross. Out of curiosity, what would you consider old? I don't know, but none of them look like they were under 35. 35? Sorry, <clears throat> what? Nothing, caller. I was just <clears throat> clearing my throat. Okay. So what do you think I should do? Well, it seems like we need more information. Are you willing to go back into the locker room? I guess. Good girl. Er, woman. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of this yet. Okay. I'm in. Are the women still there? Yep. Describe them to me. Well, there's a woman sitting in the bench in her underwear. It looks like she's in her late 60s. She's got a towel wrapped around her head and uh, looks like she was in the middle of trying to pull on some compression tights. She's got her leg up in the air and is, is just staring. Does she have spider veins all over the place? Oh, yeah. I can see her veins. Is it a total travesty? Um, uh, what? Just go on to the next one. Okay, uh, there's another woman who looks closer to 80 and... She's standing by a locker, taking off her swimsuit. Her shoulders are pretty hunched. She looks frail. Not exactly your playboy centerfold, is it? Well, no. Is that important? I don't know, Angie. Is it important? Is it? Yes. How old are you, Angie? 23. And I bet you feel like you have all the time in the world, don't you? Don't you? Uh, I mean, I hope so. Unlike these horrible old women who are practically knocking at death's door. So gross and undesirable and and forgotten. I don't know, host. I just want to finish cleaning and go home. And let me guess. There's some big fat one in there, isn't there? Some rotund 47-year-old monstrosity. An enormous, rotten excuse for a human being who will never find love again. Um, oh, yes. She looks Italian. Does she host a radio show? Oh, are you talking about yourself? I don't know anymore, Angie. Maybe I am. Life as I know it is over. Oh, host. Don't talk like that. I'm sure everything's going to be all right. It won't, though. And it's only going to get worse from here. You're worried about getting old? Well, caller, frankly, I think I am getting old. Or at least getting something. When I woke up this evening, I tried pulling on my favorite pair of gauchos. They're black with a turquoise trim. And you know what? What? They didn't fit. <laughs> I'll never be beautiful again. <laughs> I'm sorry, host. They they sound nice. They are. They are. They're made entirely of horse hair. You can't find a pair like that just anywhere. Oh, right. And I love eating baked goods. But I don't think I can anymore. Not if it means getting, you know, fat. But host, you work for radio. And you have a lovely voice and a very helpful program. It's an honor to be on it, really. Gosh, I'm so I'm so sorry. Thank you for your kind words. It's just that 
the man who's sort of in my life and one of the few in the area has felt distant to me lately. And yesterday I visited my mother and she's always so critical. And then this evening with the gauchos, I'm sorry, I, I believe I very much botched this call. It's okay. We all have bad days. And getting old is scary, even without society putting so much pressure on women's looks. That's true, Angie. So, um, I don't mean to, like, change the subject, but can we get back to the, you know, naked old women? Oh, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, back to the real issue. Uh, keep looking around. Is anything else happening in the locker room? Anything unusual other than the obvious? Oh, yes. I didn't see this before. It's a birthday cake. A birthday cake? Yeah, there are candles lit. It says, Happy birthday, Angie. Host, my name's Angie. Is it your birthday? No. Um, host, the women are, are all looking at me. Is that fine? Potentially not. Uh, I suggest you make your way calmly and quickly to the door. The door's locked! The door's locked! The door's locked! Stay with me, Angie. You're a custodian. Do you have a key? They're moving! They're coming in! Listeners, none of us is perfect. We all feel badly about ourselves from time to time. The next time you feel consumed with doubt or self-loathing, remember kind Angie and do something nice for someone else. It may make you feel better. Dana, I should have known they were harpies. You're right. I was blinded by my gaucho depression. That is unacceptable. And 35 is not old. Okay, let's run another commercial. Alma's Family Kitchen is a family business, and as a citizen of the United States, it's your duty to frequent family businesses. Here at Alma's, we have new bloops available. Stop asking what bloops are, and start asking how much bloops cost. Only at Alma's. All right, well, uh, we can leave all that unpleasantness behind us, listeners, because it's time for an intermission. I'm delighted to say that it's another one of those nights where we'll be joined by Evan the Desert Ranger and his nocturnal animal sounds. Hello, Evan. Hi, host. I'm so glad you're here. Evan, the listeners can't hear you when you nod. Oh, right. So sorry, host. Nothing to be sorry for, dear, sweet, male Evan. What animal sounds have you brought for us tonight? Oh, well, I was away at my desert ranger cabin last weekend. It's in the desert. I'm following you so far. In the middle of the night, these two badgers started having having an interaction. I had left out a saucer of grubs, so I sprang out of bed and got my recording equipment so I could share that experience with you. That's so... (laughs) 
thoughtful, Evan. You're such a mensch. A what? Oh, it's just an extremely delightful person whom... I must be honest with you, Evan. I... I feel feelings uh, that feel like feelings of uh, for for you um, as when uh, you know when I when I get a a good uh, cup of loose leaf tea and it's hot and I drink it um, and the feeling that that the warmth of no that's not uh, uh, it's like. When Dana has properly charged my crystals in the mid-afternoon sun on a cloudless blue sky day and and when I when when the feeling of of the you know like the almost love lovish feeling for the crystals fills my soul but it's it's not just that it's also like a a warmth um uh, an electrical current that flows from the bottom of my my loins but not not like a uh not not like a sexual one per se sorry this is not family friendly but anyway you get what I'm saying um you know or uh it's uh it's almost like a a rash but um like a good rash like um like Lyme disease but if it were spelled L-I-M-E uh like Key lime disease, maybe that would be maybe the rash. I love key limes, so that's um, you understand. That's how I uh, I feel that. Um, what you talking about, host? Oh, uh, nothing, sweet Evan. Um, how about you play for us the badger sounds you so gallantly obtained? All right. That's, uh, that's all I got. That's all I got, host. Was that a, a woman I heard on the recording? Yeah, sorry about that. She didn't know it's real important to keep quiet when you're recording animal sounds. Was it your sister, perhaps? No, host. It was my girlfriend, Veronica. I don't call my sister babe. Oh, <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> and you took uh, Veronica with you to your desert ranger cabin in the desert. I don't know if I like to say, host. My mother's a listener, and she doesn't abide the idea of premarital, you know, doing it. Doing it. <coughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, in the words of the philosopher Brandt, uh, that's marvelous. Thank you, Evan, for bringing us those sounds. Dana, pick your head up off that desk. This is a much worse development for me than it is for you. And look, I carry on. It's called professionalism, Dana. Speaking of which... Why isn't this thing? Goddess damn it. Dana, did you charge my tourmaline at night? 
I told you, we charge this one in purest daylight between the hours of 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. You can't just shrug, Dana. You know what you did. Did you put sunscreen on it? I told you that negates the purpose. If one wants one's crystal charged properly, one must do it oneself, clearly. I hope none of our callers need an astral cleaning because they shan't be able to get one due to my producer's fear of giving a crystal melanoma. <clears throat> Moving on. It looks like we have Jeff from a small but wealthy suburb on the east coast of the United States. You know, the kind that middle class people drive through to dream about the life they could have had. Okay. Uh, Jeff, you're on the air. Jeff? Right. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. What's brought you to us today? Oh, right, right. Yeah. I'm Jeff. Uh, look, I'm in a serious jam here. Is this the people that deal with spooky shit? We talk about all kinds of problems here, Jeff. What's going on in your wealthy suburb? Yeah, just to be safe, I can't... I can't tell you where I am, but believe me, it's nice. Anyway, okay, this is hard, but I might have just murdered something. A wee creature with my trash can lid. It looks like a tiny person, but I can't get it out of my head that it's not human. There's just something about it that's way, way off. I cannot go to prison, though. Not now. If Tiffany wins full custody of our girls, they'll end up gold-digging monstrosities or strung out in Madrid during their semester abroad. Both of those things are how I met and fell in love with Tiff, but it's not for our girls. They're good, smart kids, and she'll be all they have if I go to jail. Jeff, slow down. Back to the creature. You think you killed it? What happened? Well, normally Manuel takes out the trash, but I had to let him go to cover my legal fees, so I was doing it myself. I heard a rustling in the can, so I thought, okay, maybe raccoons had gotten back in there or something. I crept up real slow, leaned back, and took the lid off. But when I kicked the can, this tiny man, thing, humanoid, whatever, popped up like a Kelly Green blur. He yelled something about doubloons and a riddle, and instincts just took over. I, I swung the lid with everything I had. I, I thought he was holding, like, I don't know what I'd call it, a, a shillelagh? It, it ended up being an old-timey tobacco pipe. All you did was hit him with a trash can lid? Are you sure you actually killed it, whatever it is? You know, Jeff, if this is in fact a person, you really should call the police. No can do. I'd definitely go to jail for this. I'm under house arrest right now. I, I can't even get the can lid back because I freaked out and tossed it past my ankle bracelet range. I'm pretty sure it's dead, though. It's got surprisingly little body mass. The thing took off like a rocket from the lid and smacked into my shed. I heard some pretty nasty pops and what sounded like a heart breaking. Did you check for a pulse? I poked it few times with a stick. Uh, I'm not sure I want to touch it. Uh, there, there really is just something off about it. Jeff, first things first. Let's get to the bottom of this human or not human thing. Can you describe this entity's appearance in more detail? Let's see. Hold on. I threw a tarp over it because it was creeping me out. Okay. Well, uh, Here's a fresh coat and a pair of trousers, the deepest, richest green these eyes have ever seen, and an aroma that speaks of the rarest air that graces the moors. He's got a wee top hat that looks as though twas growing from a fairy ring on his own head. And now, on this calm still night, his fiery locks stir across his forehead, 
as though dancing on a breeze over the cliffs of Moor. Jeff, <laughs> I think I know what's going on here. Uh, as you may well know, there's a class of Gaelic fairies, commonly known as Whoa, leopard. whoa, you're not supposed to call them that anymore. It's, it's a bunch of letters now, right? What? L... L-G-B-T? Yeah, that's it. Oh, and Y. No, and sometimes Y. That's it. L-G-B-T and sometimes Y. No, Jeff, I said Gaelic fairies, like from Ireland. I've been through three different sensitivity trainings, and sure, it's weird, but people can be gay and lick whatever they want to. And I would never say that they're not people. I'm telling you, this thing is definitely not human. Okay, Jeff, let's get back to the problem. All I know is that you think you might have killed something, right? And you're worried about jail time because you don't want to lose partial custody of your daughters? How do you think I might be able to help? Let's let's just hypothetically say it's definitely not human. Okay. I am a little horrified that you actually run a business for this, but how much would it run for me to get someone out here to discreetly dispose of this thing? So that there wouldn't be anything court admissible to link me and the can lid to it? Do you think it's immune to fire? What? That's not what we do. Get a hold of yourself, Jeff. Is this what you were arrested for in the first place? No, that that was a totally non-violent offense and I didn't even do anything. I was just borrowing sequentially larger amounts from different sets of investors to get myself into the big leagues. I was a respectable securities trader until they made up some fraud nonsense. Jeff, I'm going to be honest. That sounds a lot like a Ponzi scheme. Like a totally standard business practice? (laughs) I know. My mentor did it for his whole career, and he's enjoying retirement so much nobody's seen or heard from him in years. You know, Jeff, this is going to be hard to hear, but I think I'm getting the bigger picture. And as much as you're worried about your ex-wife's influence on your daughters, are you sure you're any better of an influence? No. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I just wanted to provide for them. I didn't want my kids to grow up with a father that didn't have a Porsche. Too many children are forced to struggle through life like that. If you think they're not growing up with the right values, this could be your chance to change that. You can do the right thing and call the police. Turn yourself in and your daughters will see that sometimes we all have to do what's right, even if it's hard. There's no easy way through life, Jeff. If you want to make them good, decent people, Maybe you have to show them what that means in the first place. If you show them poise in the face of great responsibility now, that image could stick with them their whole lives. Maybe one day you'll even get out on excellent behavior and you can take them to Madrid yourself. Can't. Too many outstanding warrants, especially in international markets. Hmm. Jeff? You know, I wish I'd taken more time to look up at the stars on beautiful nights like this. I might never get the chance if I'm stuck in a cell my whole life. Hey, Jeff, come on, buddy. The real stars are your girls, and they're going to grow up right, all because of your example. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) When you're right, you're right. Listen, thank you so much for the kind words and wisdom. I'm going to do it. For them. I'm going to turn myself in and plead guilty, too. Oh, shit! Jeff, what's happened? It's moving! Oh, thank God! It's moving! It's moving! Okay. This might be okay after all. Hey, uh, you okay? 
You took a nasty spill there. Sorry about the tarp. You just look cold, and I thought you could use a blanket. Your daughters, Jeff. Oh, my God. No, forget about that. We're fine. I feel so dumb. Can you hear him? He's got a really thick accent. It's just an immigrant. That's why he seemed off. It all makes sense now. Hola, compadre. Hello. Yeah, sorry for the trash can, huh? I call cab for you. <laughs> Take you wherever you want, on me. Jeff, I'm pretty sure that's a leprechaun. He's putting on a little green neck brace and taking pictures of his dust outline on my shed. And Wells should have really cleaned that before I let him go. I don't even know where he got that camera from. Oh, God, if he files a claim for this, that's it for me. No. That wasn't the last nope. from love. No way. Time to handle this the old-fashioned way. Amigo, no need. No pictures. Here, let's make this easier. Cash. De Niro. Let's just take care of this. You and me. How about twenty dollars? Twenty American dollars. Jeff, I don't mind saying I'm disappointed. I really hope you'll realize that even though a windfall stroke of good fortune saved you this time, you carry the arabesque of your soul through every moment of your life. And if you don't shape and prune it for the better, you'll never truly appreciate what you do have and what's really important. Just think one more time of your girls, Jeff. Do the right thing. Jeff? Sorry, what? I wasn't listening. I got him to walk away for 200 but then I bought the camera for 500 he palmed the film at some point, so I bought that for another three hundo. I'm out of grand, but I think... I think we're in the clear. Hey, amigo, the can lid. Little help? Yeah, toss that back. Damn. Was that the lid? I stepped on it. It's styrofoam. He must have switched them, and I was too freaked out to notice. How'd he make such a perfect replica? It was a leprechaun! Leprechaun? Really? Host, just because he's from another country doesn't automatically make him a leper. You don't even have an HR department, do you? God, I envy you. You just let him fly all night and nobody says word one about it. What I wouldn't do to be back in the 80s. Jeff, you don't sound all that mad about this. What? Nah. I put myself through college with the same stunt. I really should have picked up on it. It's kind of endearing, actually. That little scamp would do great in finance. Anyway, we're all good here, so don't bother sending anyone out for the body. And I'm not paying for this quote. That's not what we do Okay, here. thanks! Well, listeners, I think we can choose to call this one a happy ending and wish Jeff the best of luck with his upcoming trial. Uh, also, should a small, strange man dressed in green lend his patronage to your place of business, I would, of course, encourage you to call in, because I'm sure I'm not alone in wondering what a leprechaun intends to do with a solid grand in cash. <sighs> wow, okay. Not everything in life goes exactly how you expect it. Sometimes you're just walking, minding your own business, and life casually hits you with a train. Since when did they put a train in the desert? <laughs> I'm feeling fine, Dana. Thanks for asking. You know what? Screw it. Give me that last piece of rum cake. Mm. That's a little better. Thank you, Dana. Now we have Crystal calling from Laurel Canyon. She is having some jealousy issues with her roommates. Crystal, are you there? Hi, host. I'm here. Thanks for taking my call. It's what I do. Now, Crystal, I know a thing or two about the green-headed beast we call jealousy. You know, just tonight I discovered... It's starting to take over my life. I feel so resentful towards everyone, even if they don't deserve it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, are your roommates there now? No. I left the compound for some privacy. Mm-hmm. And how many roommates do you have exactly? I don't know. If tithing is any indication, then I guess six, seven hundred? That sounds less than ideal, Crystal. You have no idea. Where do you live exactly? I belong to a wellness circle. That language seems scripted and rehearsed, but I'll accept it. Tell me more. Once a year, the master of the Eternal Horizon picks one of the core Solstice members for a promotion of sorts, an important role in the Feast of a Thousand Daggers. It's a big deal. And the thing is, it's my turn. Everyone knows it. And yet... And yet, I didn't get it. I went in for my end-of-season review, expecting Brett to give me some good news, but instead... I'm sorry, who's Brett? Oh, that's the master of the Eternal Horizon. But that's kind of a mouthful, so we just call him by his human name, which is, um, Brett. That checks out. So instead of the promotion, Brett gives me all this feedback about my leadership skills. Tells me I need you to be more of a role model to the younger sister. He even tells me that I need to start showing some initiative. And then, to top it all off, guess who ended up getting that promotion? Not you? Nope. Not me at all, host. It was Lauren. Lauren got it. And who is Lauren? Lauren is the goddamn devil! But you know... In a bad way. She just showed up on the back of some guy's motorcycle one day. He doesn't even live here anymore, by the way. And she's been ruining everything ever since. How has she ruined everything? Oh, I'll tell ya. Everybody knows that I played the pan flute at the summoning services. Everybody knows. And then one day, Brett looks at me and he's like, Lauren asked about playing the pan flute. How about Lauren plays the pan flute today? And I'm like, you must be freaking kidding me, right? Like, what? She just got here. And now guess what? I bet Lauren plays the pan flute at all the summoning services now. Yes. And then, oh, get this. And then she started wearing sandals to the fire pit. Everybody knows Brett likes us barefoot. And she just wore sandals. And then what do you know? Everyone else started wearing them. And Brett was all like, I never expressly forbade you from wearing sandals. Don't blame me if your feet hurt. Crystal, let me stop you there. Do you think it's possible that you are part of the problem? What do you mean? In bringing up Lauren so often to complain about her, you ultimately contribute to this, as you say, undeserved attention. No. I don't think you understand. She's awful! You seem set in your ways and your feelings, Crystal. So then why did you call? What are you asking me exactly? I'm asking, why her? I don't know, Lauren. But no one here does either. And not to sound crazy or whatever, but I was one of Brett's original six. Do you understand what that means? It means I found the land for the first ever Dance of the Silver Chalice. I collected all the blood of the virgins back when we were still virgins. I booked all of Brett's studio time at Capitol. All the other original six girls have been promoted, and some of them even started after me. But then came Lauren and her dumb pouty lips and miles of dumb blonde hair without paying any of her dues, mind you. And now she's getting promoted, no questions asked. I see. And that makes you feel unseen, yes? Exactly. Like... 
Why am I even doing any of this? For the prophecy. I do it for the prophecy. But oh, she doesn't even believe in this. And I believe in this so much. Why did you join this wellness circle, Crystal? Because I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted answers. I didn't grow up in a place where anyone wanted to give me answers. No one ever wanted to talk about anything, actually. They were just happy with their heads down. But the world is meant to be questioned, and that became clear to me when I moved to L.A. You can't live here and think everything is fine. You start asking questions, and that's when I met Brett. Do you think that if you had met Lauren outside of the context of Brett, you might be friends with her? I can't imagine a life outside of Brett. I really love him. Okay, so the reality is that your life is with Brett, and Lauren is there too, for better or for worse. Neither of these things seem negotiable. What are you going to do to move forward? I guess I just thought I would get it first, you know? And yet, it is Lauren. Of course it is, because it's always Lauren. Lauren designed all the orgy party masks. Aren't they so fun? Lauren brought back a duffel bag of assault rifles from Florida. Isn't she so cool? Lauren drove the van to the local high school and took five new sisters for the circle. Isn't she so proactive? Look, I want you to know something. I am on your side. But it does sound like Lauren is pretty proactive. Maybe Brett was right when he said you need to show some initiative. Oh my god, are you serious? Did you ever ask for this promotion? Well, no. Then how could anyone have known that it was what you wanted? Because they should have just known. I've always been here. I've always been loyal. I do everything that's asked of me. It was very obviously my turn. You have to let go of Lauren. There will always be people in this world who are awarded inexplicable privilege. And weekends at desert cabins. And though it seems unfair... Know that it has nothing to do with you. Are you familiar with the serenity prayer? I have it tattooed on my forearm. You need to accept the things you cannot change, but have the courage to change the things you can. And the wisdom to know the difference. But what does that mean? I think you deserve to be recognized for your contributions. Yes. And I think it's time everyone else recognizes you. Yes. Because they've always known. They've just been distracted by Lauren. If you ask me, Lauren's actions reek of desperation. That's what I always say as I'm jamming needles into the Lauren effigy I made. Crystal, I want you to march up to Brett, look him right in the eye, and I want you to say, I'm here. I've always been here. Take it or leave it. I'm here. I've always been here. Take it or leave it. But what if, um, they want to leave it? They know what they have, Crystal. And worst case scenario, counteroffer. Tell them that another, more reputable circle has made you an offer you can't refuse. Thank you. Yes, this is why I called you. I knew I deserved more. I knew I deserved to die. Yes, you deserve to die, Crystal. Wait, what? It's the Feast of a Thousand Daggers. That's when we stab one person to death as a sacrifice to the gods. And it's not going to be Lauren this year. It's going to be me. Crystal, I think you're misunderstanding. Thank you, host. Really, thank you. Okay, listeners, uh, let me be clear. That did not go as planned. I do not condone human sacrifice in the literal sense. However, I do condone self-advocacy. I hate to politicize this or make this into a gendered statement, but all you ladies out there, 
Stand up for yourselves. Ask for what you deserve. Be seen. Give all of yourself to a cause that doesn't appreciate you. This is your calling as a woman. This is your time. Be heard. Be seen. Be sacrificed. But only figuratively. And as I'm listening to myself say these words, listener, I'm reminded that I'm fit to be seen too. I will walk my talk. I'm going to put myself out there. Beautiful gaucho pants or no. But first I'm going to go home and go to sleep. Won't you do the same? Good night, listeners. Thank you for joining us. And as always, good luck. Episode 6 of The Host was written by Mitch Carver, Amy Carver, Eric Kenny, and Katie Markovich. It was performed by John DeLaPorta, Heather Walters, Tony Werner, Sarah Greenleaf, and Sarah Kenny. Music by Steve Metz, created by Amy Carver. If you'd like to contribute, please send us an email at thehostpodsubmissions at gmail.com. Until next time, good night. All right, sorry I flaked. I was uh, method acting as a leprechaun all week, so I hope it pays off. All right. There was a wee lad from Kerry, a kind and industrious fairy. He smacked into a shed and tweaked his poor head, but his lawyer's about to be merry. All right, Limerick 2. There was a lee... Le- <laughs> so, <clears throat> there was a dear lad from Louth, who took a whole shed to the mouth. If his body be lame, he'll file a claim and buy an estate in the south. Yeah, Limerick 3. Rolling. There was a bloke from Kildare, a little bit worse for wear. He broke his arm but called Jake from State Farm. <clears throat> Alright, hold on. I had to down a lot of, a lot of spiked seltzers to get through this. So let's... Uh, Take take two on Limerick three. There was a bloke from Kildare, a little bit worse for wear. He broke his arm but called Jake from State Farm, and now he's got cash to spare. Alright, hopefully that'll be okay. I don't know if I can do any brogues in that. Uh, what else? I could try one, um, could do one, uh, like as Adam Driver. Uh, there was a dear lad from Louth who took a whole shed to the mouth. Though his body be lame, he'll file a claim and buy an estate in the South. Uh, I don't know if we'll use the Adam Driver one, but uh, I just want it to be there just in case if you need it. All right. I hope. Uh, cut. <laughs>